Welcome to Hell Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Don't do it! You got Tammy and Parker! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Phil Interrupted. This is the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can review movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes can be spooky, too oddly informative, to downright stupid. I am your host, Phil Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. On today's podcast, we are going to go back into the Phil Interrupted vault, and we're going to pull out a classic we're going to go back into spooky, creepy places. This is going to be volume five. Now, I didn't say that properly. Guys, this is going to be spooky, creepy places. Volume number five. Now, before we get into this, I just want to make a note here. More for myself someday in the future. Listen back to this episode. There is currently... A blizzard going on outside as I am recording this episode. Now, I live in New Jersey, and we just don't see snow anymore, ever. Like, we got, like, four inches of snow earlier this year. It was the most we had gotten in, like, three years. People were like, Whoa! oh, my God, three, four, five inches of snow, it's inside. Just don't get snowstorms like we used to. Back in when I was a kid, got some big snowstorms, blizzards. It was, you know, kind of the norm. Not so much anymore. I don't know if it's global warming. I don't know if it's just, you know, the way the shifts in the atmosphere go and it's just been bad luck. I mean, who knows what it is truly to say. I don't know. I'm not the, won't be the judge of that. But today it has already started snowing and they are forecasting 12 to 22 inches, which is like a super storm central storm of the century for New Jersey. We're just not used to that. And it's going to be exciting, and I'm really pumped because my daughter, she's five years old. She's only seen snow twice, maybe three times in her whole life, uh, other than when we went to Vermont going skiing, like actually here at home in New Jersey. So sidebar, I'm just really excited about this snowstorm and uh, to be able to go outside and play in the snow. So I'm looking outside. There is a window here in my studio. It's not a huge window because the studio is down in my basement. But I can look out there, and it's coming down. Not too hard right now, but we're just getting started. Pretty exciting stuff. So again, I know when you're listening to this, you don't care because there's not a blizzard happening when you're listening. But just sort of for a fun mental note to take, uh, blizzard time here in New Jersey. But today's podcast, let's get back to the topic at hand. And the topic at hand is Spooky Creepy Places Volume 5. This was one of my favorite podcasts I did in the past talk about all sorts of cool places all over the world in america try to do a nice mix some of these places could just be really insane places on earth uh for whatever reason like a giant hole or crater or something cool like that or a place that's like on fire or something something neat or it can be paranormalish. it could be ghosts involved it could be an alien type of thing it could be anything that's spooky and creepy but Let's be honest, a lot of those places generally are thought to be haunted. So on this particular list of spooky, creepy places, there are a lot of ghost stories, I believe, in this edition. So I don't believe I have any repeats from the other previous four spooky, creepy places episodes. Possibly. I don't know. It's been so long since I've done one. Like, well over a year. I thought it was time to bring back spooky, creepy places. So, without any further ado, no more Blizzard talk, intro's over, let's get into the meat and potatoes, and let's see what kind of spooks we're in for today. Casa Loma, Canada. This Gothic Revival-style mansion and garden in Midtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada, is now a historic house museum and landmark. It was constructed from 1911 to 1914. Casa Loma means, in Spanish, Hill House. Now isn't that something? Hill House. Like The Haunting at Hill House, one of my favorite horror shows of all time. 
Why is it like every large mansion has to be called a hill house? Like, why is that? It's a phenomena that I've noticed looking up paranormal things. How many haunted mansions or castles or things like that are called the hill house? It's incredible. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's nuts. Oh, also, another thing. I apologize. If I sound really nasally right now, it's because I've had some sort of like a, a sinus thing going on for like the last week or two. I just cannot clear my nose and sound like normal. I'm always... That's not how nasally is, but I'm sounding nasally and uh, I can't get rid of it. I tried some different allergy medicine, some different sinus relief stuff. Still, it's cleared up a little bit, but it's not gone. So I apologize if I sound a little weird. As I'm uh, speaking into this microphone in this delicate, deep, baritone, sexy voice that's nasally. From strange apparitions to spooky voices and unseen grabbing hands, just went right back into it. Casa Loma has more than its share of ghost stories. Staff and guests at the historic castle have shared stories of seeing a mysterious lady dressed in white. Oh, always dressed in white. Always the lady in white. Hearing the mutters and sighs of a crotchety man near the stables. Well, crotchety? Jesus, who is this guy? Or having other paranormal experiences, it has gained a reputation as a supernatural hotspot. Casa Loma. There is the story of an appearance of a man tending to the garden in the indoor conservatory or the sound of children's voices when no children are around. Don't you hate that? Little creepy-ass kids, and kids can be bad enough. Shit, we don't need little ghost kids. A few stories, however, are reported time and time again by different people. So that's a clue right there. They don't know, you know, the story from other people. The castle even offers ghost tours, which is led by Canada's most haunted tours. Very exciting. The most common sighting, as noted before, is the White Lady who typically appears on the second floor, but has also been seen in the basement. The white lady is believed to be a maid who worked there in the early 1900s, around the time when 60,000 people in Toronto died of the influenza. Damn, it was like an outbreak back then. And uh, again, just another sidebar, a lot of these still in the coronavirus pandemic, still going on. The tunnel leading to the castle's stables are where another one of the most notorious ghosts is believed to roam. Many have reported feeling as though they have been grabbed or had their hair pulled in the tunnel. People have also reported hearing the spirit in the tunnel sighing. What? Spirit? <sighs> That's great. Even the ghost is tired. He's wiped out. <sighs> He's tired of people looking for him. You're like, is anybody here? Is anybody with us right now? And you're just like, these people doing this again. Now, they have even been captured in recordings speaking and interacting with these visitors, the ghosts. In one recording, the ghost is heard mimicking a medium who said, oh, he's a horrible person while trying to make contact. So the voice, oh, interesting. There's always the same tone to the voice, the researchers say. That's what's known as an intelligent haunting. It's not just the residual sound of doors slamming or, you know, you hear something off in the distance, somebody actually repeating something back to you. Considered an intelligent haunting people. Researchers also say, well, we haven't been very successful with photographs or video, but we've had success with voice recordings. Casa Loma has given her voice up to us. That's the one thing she's done. She's let us hear her. Myrtle's Plantation, Louisiana. In 1992, photographs were taken that appear to show a slave girl standing between the two buildings on the plantation. The insurance company had required photos to be taken that would show the distances between the buildings to aid the underwriters in rating a fire insurance policy for the plantation. Uh, just a brief description here so you understand. Even though it was taken in 1992, it looks like it was taken in 
26. It is the, such poor quality picture. But regardless, you can see the two buildings clearly. And it does appear as though there's a human-type shape in the one photo. A little far away. The other one's closer. Looks like you can see shoulders, a head. And what's interesting about it is you've got, like, the siding on the house. The figure is right up against the siding. You can actually, like, see through the figure and still see the siding underneath it. So, like a transparency thing. And we'll talk about it here in the next paragraph or two. But just to give you a little insight as to what the picture is. So, a little intriguing, right? A National Geographic Explorer filming crew determined that the photograph definitely contained what appeared to be an apparition of what they believed to be a slave girl. The slave girl appeared in the breezeway between the general store and the butler's pantry of the mansion. The horizontal exterior boards of the mansion were clearly visible through the body of the apparition. National Geographic Explorer used the photograph in their documentary and suggests that a postcard should be made of the photo. So I'm assuming that's something they sell there. Mr. Norman Benoit, a patent researchist, visited the Myrtles Plantation in May 1995 and requested permission to research the postcard. After enlarging the postcard and doing a shallow density procedure, Mr. Benoit discovered that all of the physical measurements of the apparition were of human dimensions and proportions. The circumference of the head, the length of the shoulder to the elbow, and the length of the elbow to the wrist were all indicative of a human. This picture and postcard is referred to as the Chloe postcard. Another photograph shows a mother and her daughter standing on the porch during daytime. This seems like a far more... Uh, modern photo, I believe. Behind them in the window is the outline of a young girl in a dress. This picture has been analyzed by experts and it's been determined that no digital alterations have been made to the image. This photo I thought was pretty excellent, more so than even the slave girl uh, photo. It's definitely a mom and her daughter and the faces are blurred out. I guess the people didn't want any um, you know, sort of notoriety for the photographs. So they're blurred out. But very clearly in the window behind them is a girl like sort of in black and white in this like old time dress. And they like they do zoom ins on the picture so you can see it pretty clearly. Most definitely, most definitely a girl in the window. Even though they say there's been no digital alteration made to that photo i wonder i wonder if that's true because if it's not it's very interesting evidence very interesting but at the same time it does almost look like somebody could have photoshopped that in like it's almost too good of a ghost picture in my opinion i don't know i won't be the judge but i would definitely recommend you check that out the chloe postcard and this is the myrtles plantation see if you can find that picture of the girl in the window hellfire club ireland montpellier hill better known as hill house no, i'm just kidding better known as the hellfire club that's a great name hellfire club bitches is a lovely place for a weekend walk beautiful area it has a variety of short forest trails and provides wonderful views. At the top of the hill sits a large hunting lodge where, if the stories are to be believed, some very strange things have happened. Let me just describe this building for you. It's in like a flat area, top of a hill, and it's like this bizarre stone like building with very few windows. The one side is no windows at all hardly, and the other side has some more. Very strange, looks very freaking old. You could definitely see why people would think crazy stuff would be going on in this strange stone structure. Speaker Conley, one of the wealthiest men in Ireland, built the hunting lodge on top of a rumored grave. Dude, you can't do that. Everyone knows this. Conley is said to have destroyed the grave and the carn... Apparently, this is a mound of stones that are built as a memorial, kind of like when they, I think when they pile them up uh, vertically. Why would you do this? I can't believe this guy did this. While building the lodge, he, yeah, he destroyed them, and he used one of the standing large stones for the fireplace. 
Now, sometime later, the roof was blown off during a storm, and the locals reckoned that the spirits were seeking vengeance for the Karn being destroyed, the, the stones. Over time, fact and fiction have become so intertwined that it's impossible to separate them. But why let that ruin a good story? Here we go. The building was sold after Conley's death and is said to have become a meeting place for the Irish Hellfire Club. The club, baby, was formed in 1735 by Richard Parsons, a known dabbler in black magic. The members met at locations across Dublin and were known for their amoral behavior and debauchery involving alcohol and sex. I didn't know that was uh, frowned upon. The secrecy surrounding the club members led to speculation that they were Satanists and devil worshippers. Duh. The president of the club was named the King of Hell and dressed like Satan with horns, wings, and hooves. Wow. That's, could you imagine that? would be like, I'm the king of the world, king of hell. The members were said to set a place at each meeting for the devil in hopes that he'd attend. That's great. They put, put down some plates for him. They were also said to hold black masses in the lodge during which cats or even servants were sacrificed. Some say the building was deliberately set on fire in order to enhance its hellish atmosphere. The best known Hellfire Club story is the one in which the devil himself appears. A stranger had joined the members at a game of cards. At some point, one of the card players dropped a card on the floor. As he bent down to retrieve it, he noticed that the stranger had cloven hooves instead of feet. Another tale concerns a young farmer. Curious to find out what was going on at these meetings, he climbed up the Montpellier Hill one night and was invited in by the members of the club. Always a bad sign. Always a bad sign when an outsider is sneaking around. They go, hey, come on in, buddy. And he was allowed to witness the night's activities. He was found the next morning trembling and terrified. Tradition says he spent the rest of his life unable to speak, unable even to remember his name. King's Tavern, Mississippi. Now a popular restaurant, King's Tavern was one of the oldest buildings in Mississippi. After being constructed in the late 1700s, the building served as a tavern, inn, and the city's first post office. Today, both locals and tourists head to the eatery for wood-fired flatbreads and handcrafted cocktails, hmm. many of whom are completely unaware of the building's haunted history. Now, having been constructed so long ago, King's Tavern is loaded with history and stories. Part of that history came to light in the 1930s, when the skeletal remains of three bodies, two men and one woman, were found hidden in the wall behind the fireplace. A jeweled dagger was also found with the remains, which was assumed to be the murder weapon. As for the remains, the men were never identified. However, the woman was believed to be Madeline, the mistress of the tavern's original owner, Richard King. According to the local legend, Madeline disappeared sometime after Mrs. King found out about the affair. Many believe that Mrs. King killed Madeline and hid the body in the tavern's walls. Now, who knows about those other two guys, though? Employees believe that Madeline is responsible for most of the paranormal mischief that takes place in the tavern. Several strange happenings have taken place in the upstairs area of the tavern, which is used as the inn. Witnesses have reported seeing a reflection suddenly appear in a mirror, as well as feeling warm spots a few inches above the bed as if somebody was just laying on it. Another interesting story, the notorious outlaw Willie Harp, never heard of him, is also believed to haunt the tavern, along with one of his victims. According to legend, a mother with a fussy infant was staying at the tavern's inn. Ugh. Harp, annoyed by the incessant crying, grabbed the baby from the mother's arm and threw the child to the ground, killing him instantly. Jesus. 
Several witnesses have reported hearing the child crying, which appeared to be coming from the upstairs area of the tavern. However, it was always at times when nobody was upstairs. Some believe that Harp's spirit is still lingering at the tavern, smashing babies left and right. New London Ledge Lighthouse, Connecticut. One of the most picturesque lighthouses along the Connecticut coast is the distinctive New London Ledge Lighthouse. It is also the alleged home to one of the most distinctive ghosts in the area, a spirit of the former keeper known as Ernie. Built in 1909 atop a concrete pier in New London Harbor, the light itself sits atop a striking three-story building. Individual keepers tended the light from its inception a century ago until 1939, when the U.S. Coast Guard took over. In 1987, the light was finally automated, eliminating the need for anybody to stay on site, which apparently was a quite welcome feature. As it turns out, over the years, many of those on duty reported all sorts of strange goings-on. Doors opening and closing by themselves, unexplained knockings, bedsheets flying off the beds, cups moving around, boats unmooring themselves, TVs and radios turning on and off, the foghorn spontaneously sounding on its own, and other unexplained happenings. Oh, and from time to time, the ghost of a tall bearded man in a slicker and rain hat has been seen. Gotta tell you, I would shit on a brick if I was stuck on this lighthouse. So, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the ocean. I love it. Scoob certified. I like water. I like swimming. I also hate it because it's scary and it can definitely overwhelm me. And I can drown pretty easily. I'm not the best swimmer. I hate black water. I hate not knowing how deep it is. But if I'm swimming underwater like snorkeling then I'm fine you know like I can like I can see I'm fine anyway you get the point I've talked about it in the past but this is where my fear comes from here this lighthouse isn't a regular lighthouse if you look it up the new london ledge lighthouse okay normally a lighthouse is either at like the edge of like a barrier island or you know something like that the edge of the coast right this one isn't even on like a tiny little island maybe a few miles off like the main coastline or something no 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 it's no joke like a little like a little wall and then a three-story building and the lighthouse is right there there is absolutely no extra land that this lighthouse is on nothing nothing there is absolutely nothing to keep you're you're literally in the ocean It's the freakiest lighthouse ever. Fuck that. I'm getting upset. I'm going to butcher some words in this next one. Jesus, how do these people say this? This is... I can't even... It's got dots and symbols and stuff above the letters. Here we go. The Huff D House in Reykjavik, Iceland? Overlooking Reykjavik's waterfront, the Huff house is most famous for hosting a meeting between Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev in 1986. This was a historic moment during the end of the Cold War. Many other famous figures over the years have been there as well, including Queen Elizabeth, Winston Churchill, and Marlon Dietrich. Who the hell's that? Plus a handful of other British ambassadors. It was one such ambassador who first experienced the white lady. Wait a minute. Wasn't that Casa Loma? Crossover here, people. Always a white lady, like I said. Always. A ghost who many believe to be a victim of suicide. The phantom lady apparently caused so much panic and distress that the ambassador persuaded the British Foreign Office to sell the house immediately Sloss <laughs> I can't even, I'm already laughing just saying it Sloss Furnaces 
Alabama. You know this is going to be a good one. James Sloss. Sloss. That's a very hard last name. Opened the gates of his furnace company on April 18th, 1882, employing hundreds of men from the surrounding area. The positions at Sloss were highly dangerous. No government agency protected the rights of workers. They had 12-hour days. That was the norm. And the pay was low. Hours were high. Industrial accidents were what workers feared the most. Some men fell into the molten steel and were incinerated, while others fell victim to the silent poisoning of carbon monoxide and volatile bursts from steam pipes. Perhaps the most ghastly death is one that befell a worker on his lunch break. Try and eat a sandwich. Try and eat a sandwich. And this happens. Listen to this shit. Sitting near one of the large flywheels used to power the huge scalding boilers, he leaned a little too close and the wheel caught his clothing, slowly dragging him into the gears. Witnesses at the time shuddered. Each time the wheel went around, there was a little bit less of their friend. That's so gross. Listen to this one. On September 9th, 1887, Richard Jowers was working at furnace number one. Standing near the top of the furnace, he slipped, and he and the heavy bell that he had been preparing to melt tumbled into the molten steel below. There was nothing that anybody could do to help, and they stood helplessly as Jowers was incinerated. It is rumored that they were able to remove his head and several of his bones before his remains were lost completely. At night, this old building, which is now a national landmark, still echoes with noises from its perilous past. Screams are heard. Apparitions are seen. And on the second floor of the Blower building, there's a sinister presence known as Slag, an overly cruel foreman who can still be heard belittling his crew. Slag. That's a bad, bad man. That's a bad, bad man. Bad man. Very bad. Bad name. Very bad. Badass name. It's a badass name. It's a badass name. Fort Delaware. Delaware. Fort Delaware, sitting on Pea Patch Island in the middle of the Delaware River, has a rich history that you may have learned about on a school field trip. Originally constructed in 1859, the fort was used as a prison camp for Confederate prisoners of war during the Civil War. Later, it was used to store guns and protect the ports of Wilmington and Philadelphia during the Spanish-American War. I'm very familiar with the Delaware River. Not so much uh, down south in Delaware too much, but being from New Jersey, I've been on the Delaware River quite a few times. Now, Fort Delaware was notorious for its role as a prison, and the majority of those captured came from the hellish battlefields of Gettysburg. Captain Albin Shoif or something was in charge of the fort at the time, and he was known to the Confederate soldiers as General Terror. With nearly 13,000 prisoners kept in wooden barracks, the conditions at Fort Delaware were horrifying. Food rations were tiny and nearly inedible. The water was putrid, and prisoners were so tortured that sergeants would throw rats into the crowds and watch them scramble for a warm meal, all while laughing at their struggle. Scurvy, smallpox, and severe malnutrition were prevalent. It's not a surprise, then, that of the 2,700 men who perished in the camp continued to haunt Fort Delaware, seeking to tell their story to those who would walk the haunted halls. Or they're just going around doing this. <sighs> they're just sighing. Fort Delaware is honest about all of its history, including the presence of ghosts, poltergeists, and the unruly spirits that walk the prison halls and tunnels. 
they do not shy away from it. This next one I will not be able to pronounce. Um, Jazarat Al Hamara, United Arab Emirates. You'll find this nearly abandoned town that I just said located between a huge mall and a huge water park. Kind of a bustling area, right? However, this place was established in the 14th century. The town grew into a thriving pearl fishing village in the 1830s before it was suddenly abandoned in 1968. The town now consists of dirt roads, 13 mosques, a lot, and more than 300 coral and mud houses. These houses look terrible. And of course, some of the residents remain and are spirits. People claim that visitors are bound to experience strange noises and chilling apparitions. Usually, jings, which it says in parentheses here, is another word for genies. Huh. These genies often take the form of animals. That's interesting. We've got the Middle Eastern flavor there, you know, genie, you know, Aladdin. That's what I'm thinking. That's uh, interesting spin. Uh, you know, I've never thought of a ghost as a genie before. It's kind of new to me. Hutchinson Library, Kansas. Ida de Hofsafel, according to local lore, is the ghost who haunts this library. The former librarian who began working there in 1915 may have never left. She is said to reside in the basement, watching over her beloved library. Now, what happened is she left work there in 1954 to become a catalog librarian for a California library. However, she was killed in a car accident on her very first day. Shortly after, her ghost was seen back in Kansas and has even chatted with staff members. That's, that's a pretty serious ghost encounter, right? Just chatting along. You know, wait, didn't you, didn't you take that job in California? Didn't you? Wow, I can't believe we'll be right back. That's great. And good to see you. All right, yeah, have a good one. And you're, she's dead? What? I just talked to her. That was a, a recreation of one of the employees. Now, she's often seen in the basement of her former workplace, the Hutchinson Public Library, Kansas. Kansas, I did that for you guys. Put you on the map for this episode. Now, Kansas doesn't get a lot of love. Spotted Lake, Canada. Spotted Lake has long been revered by the native Akinagan people, and it's easy to see why they think of this place as sacred. In the summer, the water of the lake evaporates, and small mineral pools are left behind. Each one is a different color than the next. The unique lake can be viewed off Highway 3 northwest of a small town although visitors are asked not to trespass on the tribal land this one caught my eye looking through spooky creepy places online and I saw this lake and there's no real you know ghost stories or paranormal things about it however it's so unique and strange looking that I thought it should be on this list it legit looks like there's an outline of a normal lake, and it looks in a bit of an arid type area, mountainous. And there's an outline of what should be a lake, and I guess normally it, it is does have water in it, but it says in the summer it evaporates. And I guess it has different elevations and whatnot, and it leaves back these mineral pools. So in the outline of a lake are all these tiny circles, some of them, not, well not really tiny, but a bunch of circles, all different shapes, sizes, colors, inside of what looks to be a lake. It's really strange looking. I've never seen anything like it. I thought it deserved to be on the list. Spotted Lake, 
Canada. Zunanan Tunich, Belize. Deep in the jungles of Belize, less than a mile from the Guatemala border, is an ancient Mayan ruin that has sat abandoned for the past millennium. An earthquake caused the original civilization to crumble, but the complex has been rediscovered by explorers in the 1890s. Since then, this place has served as an important archaeological site, under the radar tourist attraction and a hotbed of ghostly sightings. The ancient city is said to be haunted by one female ghost, a black-haired lady with red glowing eyes. She was first spotted by one of the earliest research teams in 1893 and has been seen spotted near El Castillo, the tallest building complex, many, many times since then. Nobody knows exactly what the so-called Stone Lady is, but many speculate that she may have been a human sacrifice whose death ritual was performed on the top of the El Castillo Pyramid. Lawang Siwu, Indonesia Built in the early 20th century by Dutch colonists, Lawang Siwu, also known as A Thousand Doors, that's a much easier title, Thousand Doors, Indonesia, there we go, served as a head office for the Dutch East Indian Railway Company before the Japanese turned it into a detention camp during World War II. During the war, many harsh interrogations, tortures, and violent executions occurred within the building's walls, all of which contribute to its current status as one of Indonesia's most haunted sites. <laughs> Tourists are free to visit the abandoned site today, perhaps trying to confirm whether the many circulated ghost stories have any truth to them thousand doors. There is a lot of doors on this building. That's a really good point. Kehoe House, Georgia. Few cities nail the spooky, beautiful, charming southern vibe like Savannah. Or Savannah. Known as America's most haunted city. Everybody claims to be the most haunted, right? It's like, I thought New Orleans was the most haunted. Everybody's the most haunted. It's also one of the nation's top cities for ghost tours. The Kehoe home is famous for its paranormal activity. While William Kehoe's presence is routinely felt in his study, the friendly apparition of his wife Anne has been seen sitting on a bed, writing at a desk, and walking the halls of the third floor. It is reported that William also rings the bell to enter the home after hours and turns on the lights in the study. Most of the home's supernatural activity revolves around children, though. The Kehoe's twin boys died at the age of five while playing inside the chimney. What? Which was blocked off and decorated with angels. Okay, I could see them decorating that as a... as like a, a memorial kind of thing. Why, why the fuck would kids be playing in a chimney? Like, I don't know. This is probably super old. I don't know who does. I guess that's what they did for fun back then. Hey, little Billy, let's go play in the chimney. Get the fuck out of here. Their boisterous apparitions... Oh, God, these kids making noise. ...can be heard running up and down the halls. Sightings of their ghosts have also been reported in the second-floor bedrooms as well. Guests have also heard young children's voices when no children are present. Again... Borg Vattenet Haunted Vicarage, Sweden. Originally built in 1876, weird happenings have been noted at this house since the 1960s. The gray wooden structure now serves as a bed and breakfast in a rural area with snowmobiling, fishing, and not a lot else. Guests have claimed to hear footsteps, strange music, and the sound of three crying ladies coming from the inn. I like to note that it's three crying ladies. I wonder how they were able to make that distinction. 
Nevertheless, the proprietors will reward you with a certificate that says that you have managed to stay through the night at the house. This was really that scary that <laughs> you get like a like a t-shirt, right? I survived the night at this hard-to-say house in Sweden. They give you an actual certificate. Now, the wooden cabin... Now, part of the reason why I guess it's so spooky is because it's a wooden cabin in middle of the woods and it's really isolated from society. Look at pictures of it. There's really nothing all that striking about the building. It's a little bland looking. Looks like gray, wooden, not very interesting. But the fact that it's so out there, there's nothing around. That kind of a thing tends to freak people out. People are so used to having other humans around in civilization. If you put them way out in the middle of nowhere, they're going to be like, there's ghosts here. Like they're just going to hear stuff. And I guess, like, the human imagination goes nuts or something. But it always seems to be the case with these isolated places that are very haunted. The Carl Beck House, Canada. This home was built by Carl Beck in the late 1800s. This house is known to be one of the most haunted houses in Ontario. According to legend, Beck and his family lived in the house together after his wife passed away. The eldest daughter, Mary, was then put in charge of raising the younger children. Many years later, when Carl Beck died, he inexplicably left Mary, the eldest daughter, one dollar in his will. Today, an angry female ghost, presumably Mary, is said to appear in the upstairs windows. For travelers curious to the Victorian architecture with the side of the paranormal, you can actually rent the Carlbeck house on Airbnb starting at $95 per night. Kind of a great story there on that one. Typically, you hear these ghost stories and it's, you know, like somebody who got murdered or some sort of a horrible death, right? Like fell into molten lava, like the sloth factory. I said sloth. The sloths factory we talked about earlier something like that right like some terrible event no this one is strange so the mom died and the dad Carl here for whatever reason only left a dollar to his oldest daughter who raised all the kids like (laughs) she must have been a bitch or something like what a prick only gave her a dollar so I think that's awesome that her ghost isn't isn't stuck there haunting people because she's like tortured, right? She's pissed that she only got a buck. She's really mad that she only got a dollar for her inheritance. Super pissed about it, so she's going to haunt people for eternity. Oh, that is an awesome, awesome ghost story. I really like that one. All right, well, we are on our last spooky, creepy place. This one takes place in Argentina. I don't think we've had Argentina on any of our lists previously. This is the Recoleta Cemetery, Argentina. Recoleta Cemetery is a no ordinary cemetery consistently ranked as one of the top attractions in Buenos Aires. It houses 4,700 mausoleums and 30,000 souls. That means bodies. The cemetery was established in 1822, and its labyrinth of narrow passageways contain a treasure trove of elaborate marble crypts and stunning sculptures. I had not heard of this place before. This was new to me. I went on that thing called the internet, did myself a little image search, and it is a very, very cool looking place. It is inside of Buenos Aires, which is a large city down there, right? And all of a sudden, the city streets just give way to, like, a cemetery that's above ground. And you walk down these thin little narrow, like, cement paved, like, streets. All these really interesting, like, white marble buildings and stuff with really, like, statues and all sorts of cool architecture there. But it's, like, really big. Like, it's a really big area. And uh, I can't 
I can't imagine how spooky that might be, right? If you were there at night or something. Apparently, people say it's even really kind of scary, actually, during the daytime. Um, if you kind of, like, let it get to you, like, the whole vibe. It's kind of, I can kind of see that. A lot of these places, I'm sure, during the daytime don't seem very scary. So it's kind of interesting to note that this one can make you feel even uneasy during the day. But there are some great stories <laughs> about this cemetery, which is why I wanted to finish up with this one. Check this out. Of the various ghost stories floating around the cemetery, none is more popular than the horrific misfortune of Rufina when her family discovered her lifeless body on her 19th birthday in 1902, they were devastated. She was laid to rest, and that's where the true nightmare began. Scratching and clawing inside her tomb for days, she was discovered too late by a groundskeeper who noticed that her coffin had been moved out of place by a mere few inches. The cemetery staff discovered her tortured body having endured a living entombment. Indeed, Rofina had died twice. She was buried alive. Son of a bitch. I wonder why she was like comatose and they thought she was dead. I, that can happen. It's very rare that that happens, but uh, that's, that's shitty. That is uh, that's shitty. Shitty way to go. Liliana Cortesia de Sazascas. I'm so bad at pronouncing names. I don't even know why I bother. Anyway, she was in Australia on her honeymoon when an avalanche swept over her hotel and she died of suffocation. It's a, it's a bad luck. Bad luck, man. Wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. She traveled from freaking Argentina all the way there to hang out on her honeymoon dead. You're dead. You're dead. Rumor has it that she and her dog, Sabu, were so attached that the dog died in Buenos Aires at the exact same time as her. As a result, a life-size statue of Liliana, supposedly in her wedding dress, it's a strikingly beautiful statue, was erected in the mausoleum. Interestingly, her beloved dog stands next to her. Now, nobody is quite sure what happened to her husband. What the fuck is this all about? This girl gets this great statue. Excellent. Looks like she's like a Disney princess. And her dog, Sabu, also has a statue next to her. She's like patting him on the head. Really nice piece of artwork. She gets all this for her her um, her mausoleum, her gravesite here. And nobody knows what happened to the husband's with... Was the husband's just chopped liver here? Was is it nobody? It's absolutely nobody. This is perhaps my favorite story, though, about this uh, this Argentinian cemetery. An enormous mausoleum commemorates the life of Salvador Maria and his wife Dominguez. The weird thing is, the statues depicting the two have their backs to each other. The story goes that Salvador was an important figure in Argentinian politics, and he was outraged by his wife's spending. I know that feeling. He got so angry that he published a letter in the major newspapers advising merchants that he would no longer be paying for any of his wife's expenditures. That didn't go over well with Dominguez, who published her own letter describing what a horrible man her husband was and vowing that she'd never speak to him again. Although they stayed together, she apparently kept her promise and didn't speak to her husband for the remaining 20 years of her life. Dominguez lived another 15 years after his death, throwing lavish parties before she finally died in 1898. She requested that her statue look away from her husband, holding a grudge for eternity. Can't be good. I like that little line there in the end. Yeah, pretty interesting story there. So these two did not get along. Uh, rather than get divorced or whatever, maybe that was highly frowned upon back in the uh, 1800s, they just were like, you know what? Fucking hate your guts. I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. I'm sick of your shit. He's like 
you cost me way too much. I, you know, you need to go on a strict budget here. This is ridiculous. Our finances are a mess. And she's like, fuck you. Well, you're a rich Argentinian politician. I'm going to spend what I want. Again, interesting they didn't divorce or just break up. Who knows if they saw other people or not. I don't know. Just be speculation. But I think she stayed in it because he was rich. And like I said, you'd be frowned upon if you got divorced. So she probably stayed with him and was just like, look, I'm going to keep spending your money, dickwad, but I ain't going to be with you anymore. It is a pretty amazing thing that for 20 years you could not talk to somebody that you're married to. It's quite a feat. Pretty impressive. And then that when, so her husband died, he had a statue of him. And really, she's really putting her foot down here for everybody to know forever that she did not like him that she has a statue built of herself <laughs> facing the other direction so she's not looking at him like I'm gonna hate you forever kind of a thing pretty interesting uh, twist I thought I was pretty pretty blown away when I saw that well guys this does conclude volume number 5 of spooky creepy Planet. I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun to get back in into this topic, talking about some of these strange paranormal places and just odd, odd places on this great earth that we share. Guys, I'm going to take a look here. It's still snowing outside. So the blizzard continues. Very excited about it. If you guys have any questions, concerns, or anything, you can always email me. You know this at philinterrupted at gmail.com guys i just want to thank you so much for listening that is gonna wrap things up so we are making moves here on phil interrupted and we will catch you next time peace out each time the wheel went around there was a little bit less of their friend Slag. That's a bad, bad man. That's a bad, bad man. Bad man. Very bad. The Kehoe's twin boys died at the age of five while playing inside the chimney. <laughs>